Okay, good morning everyone. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Yud in Mesechus Yuma. But I got here late yesterday, so I put us behind the eight ball. We are starting in the last mid-size line on Testament Bays. So we just got these Zaftig lines at the bottom of Testament Bays to read. Um, we are going to read basically Agadata until towards the bottom of Yud Towards the bottom of Yud are the Sugis of Mezuzah. We, talk, we said in our very first Mishnah in Yuma that the Kohen Gadol is quarantined in the Lishkas Parhedrin and sleeps there for seven days out of the year. The question, very fascinating question, does that room in the Beis Hamikdash require a mezuzah? It says, the, the, Bryce, the Tosefta says, no other room in the Beis Hamikdash required a Tosefta because nobody lived there. Here, this is like a hotel room, so to speak. Well, for seven days out of the year, it's a hotel room. Would you think that it requires a mezuzah or not? What does he do the whole day? Does he learn? Uh, that's a good question. What does he do in that quarantine? He does. That's what we already he's said. Quarantine, he's in complete quarantine? That's also a good question. Can he go out he for any other reason at all? Can he go to the store and buy a... I don't think he can get a, go get a falafel. I don't think so. I think it's a, it's a more legitimate quarantine. That was a good uh, reference to falafel. That was the first falafel res- reference since we started shots. So let let but since we were behind the eighth ball, let's go through our Rabari Leibowitz Shlita rips through these agaritas without much explanation. Um, he doesn't skip it. It's just there's so much here. And we have to, uh, we have to move on. You, you really, you could spend the whole year just on this agarita uh, and analyze some of the uh, some of the meaning behind it. But let's just at first read it at, at least pushup shot, and then you'll have all day to delve into it. Here we go. We talked yesterday about the difference between bais rishon and bais sheni, and we said the first famous, very famous gemara bais rishon was destroyed because of the big three, right? The cardinal sins, shichas. Damim, Gilai, Arayas, Avodah, Zara, and Bayesheni, Sinaschinam. So the Gemara asks a classic Jewish question. What, you think Bayes Rishon didn't have Sinaschinam? After all, we even have a source that it did. Vaksiv, Migure, El Cherev, Hayuel, Ami, Lachain, Sefok, Al Yareich. Okay, this is the Pachasuk in Yechaskel. Basically, we were saying, cry out, right, because there was a Cherev. Cry out and wail, because uh, it was a ma- right. Because the those who you should you should cry because those who uh, feared the sword were my people, and I'm going to smite you in grief. This is amazing. It's referring to human beings. Tell me if this uh, if you've ever uh, experienced this in your life. I hope you didn't, but a lot of people do. Where you sit and you're talking, you're schmoozing. And they stab each other with daggers, with verbal daggers. Right? This is a reference to Lashon Hara. Let me ask you something. Okay. If someone said Lashon Hara to you. Yeah. It's, should you shut up? Or should you... You know, we, we just, is, it, is it better to just uh, be quiet and take it like a human, like a man? So this is a very, this is a very good question. You're asking, what should the stance be? How how are you as the mikaba lashon hara, the person who finds himself in a situation where he hears lashon hara? What would be the best way to to handle it? Uh, there are those who you know ran away from it. I think um, the best thing to do is to is to stay calm and to disregard it as much as possible. I mean, there's more, a lot more to say here, and the truth of the matter is that a lot of the Sefer Chafetz Chaim 
comes from these psukim that we read yesterday and today with respect to this whole idea of Lashon Hara. Um, the Art Scroll Gemara had a big, uh, right on this stuff, if you're looking over here, 9B2 and 9B3, the Art Scroll is writing a whole thing about Shemir HaSalashon, uh, to which the Chofetz Chaim devoted his life. Uh, aside from the Mishnah Bura and everything else, but he devoted uh, the, uh, so much to eradication of Sinas Chinam and Lashon Hara because as we said yesterday, every day that the base of Mikdash is not rebuilt, it's because we don't have enough Ahavas Chinam. We should have extra love. So you know what, Goranowitz? The Goranowitz Mr. Moment is to counteract some of the baseless hatred with uh, extra love for one another. Okay. So now the Gemara says, Ahibin si The Gemara is explained like this. When Yechazkel, okay, said that Pasuk that we're saying Lashon Hara, it was in the second base of Mikdash, but it was only talking about like the politics, you understand? When they were talking Lashon Hara then, they was really talking about the leaders talking to each other and trying to outdo each other to see whose Lashon Hara is, be- is better believed. Um, to quote, I think it's Rabbi uh, David Katz who says, uh, this day and age politics is just uh, who's, who does a better job of selling the Lashon Hara about the other. Uh, so, you know, that, that is, uh, that, that is the way of, Nis- of Nisim. And so it was also true, unfortunately, of the politicians, uh, in those days, the Jewish politicians. However, it was not as pervasive in the entire land as it was in the, uh, it was not pervasive, rather, I'm sorry, I, that, that was in Bayes Rishon. It was, that was the, um, the type of Lashon Hara that was in Bayes Rishon. It was not as pervasive, however, in the entire land as it became in Bayes Shani. So if someone says Lashon Hara, if someone says something to you and he says, I heard this band about you, I mean, what do you do? There, there, there's a famous machlokas of Yisrael Salanter and, uh, and the Chafetz Chaim about whether you're supposed to tell somebody if, uh, uh, because, right, there is... You're asking, you're getting into like a really, really important question that we don't have time to discuss in this context about whether you should tell somebody if you heard Lashon Hara about them, you will upset them. Or if you felt Lashon Hara about them, you know, you'll upset them on, on one hand. On the other hand, would they want to know? That's a very, very good question. Not for now, but uh, certainly, certainly these are the types of topics that come out when you're trying to, um, when trying to work on the area of Lashon Hara, which is always worthwhile. Uh, certainly to do. Anyways, Ahibin Si Yisrael, Havai, how do we know that in the, in the Bayes Rishon it wasn't really everyone talking about each other but it was also politics, mostly about uh, the Nesi Yisrael. Dachsev, Zak v'hilel ben Adam ki hi Cry out, right, because he was among the nation. What's going on? V'tanya, Zak v'hilel ben Adam yachol l'kol. You might think it would refer to everyone. Talmud Lomar, he b'chol Nesi Yisrael. Right, so that's why uh, the, the Pasuk the, uh, goes on to say that this Sinas Chinam was really about the Nesi Yisrael. It was a politics thing. It wasn't uh, as pervasive as it was in the Bayes Shani. So now the Gemara is going to compare Bayes Rishon to Bayes Shani as follows. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Lazar, the Amrit Taivai, who Rishonim Shuniskala Avonim Niskala Kitzam, that the earlier ones of the Bayes Rishon, right, they're at least, even though, they, even though they knew that there was going to be a Gullus, at least they had uh, an end to the Gullus because after all, they returned for a Bayes Shani. However, however, right, the later ones, meaning Bayes Shani, Lonis Galakitsam, the end was not revealed. We're still in the Galas of Bayes Shani. So therefore, it implies that the people who lived in the generation of Bayes Shani were worse, right? That punishment is worse because certainly that Galas has been longer. 
To which Amar Biachran Tovit Sipornan Shal Rishonim Mikreso Shal Achroinim. That the fingernail of those in the Bayas Rishon was better than the entire abdomen of the people in the Bayas Shani. Which is another way of saying, right, we can't come up to the toes of those who are in Bayas Rishon if we're living in Bayas Shani. And, and certainly our generation compared to Bayas, right? So, so you can't say a lot of harm about, the, about anybody who well, you shouldn't be saying Lashon Hara, but the point is that it, we're talking about now who was relatively worse. It's an interesting question. We're going to get to this in a minute. Let, let, let's see, because I think that there, there is a lot to say. Um, this, it, it's nuanced. Here, watch this. Amalai Rish Lakish. So Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish, as they often discuss, have this discussion. Adarabba. Rish Lakish is saying, no, it's on the contrary, right? Rabbi Yochanan had said the earlier generations were way better. Rishlak is saying, no, on the contrary, the later generations are better. Because the later generations were more yeshivish. They were learning more. The, the, the learning is greater. And, and, and don't we have this, right, we have this uh, sort of today. We could see this, right, because we're talking about a situation where, uh, you know, we have more, we have art scroll now, right? We have more learning now going on than ever, perhaps, in the history. Uh, we have more literate in, in, in the entire history of Kali Israel. And you could say, right, or e- even in terms of social sensitivities, right? Like in the world over, the idea of slave, human slavery, which was like just a way of life. Uh, as recently as 150 years ago, now everybody frowns upon that. Nobody, nobody thinks that that's a, right? So, so we've grown, but does that mean that we're more principled? Does that mean that we're less self-absorbed? Certainly not. So in a way, society goes down, in a way, society goes up simultaneously. So you can see how there could be a machlokas. Are we better than, the, than we used to be? Or are we worse than we used to be? So in some ways we're better, in some ways we're worse. How can we be like the people in the desert where all they did the whole day Right. Right. So, so it's very hard to say that we can compare it to those people in terms of their spirituality. Right. But so this is what Yochanan says. Well, the very presence of the base of Mikdash is going to prove. After all, those of the generations of the first base of Mikdash, they got the base of Mikdash back. Those of the second, it's we're still waiting for it. Or Shalos Rabbalazar, Rishonim Gudolim, Achoranim Gudolim. Right, so this is the topic over here. I got it. Who's better, the old, the earlier generations or the later? So Amar Lahem, Nuenechem Babira. Again, look at the uh, base of Mikdash. Uh, the base of Mikdash came back to the first generation. They must have been better. Or Ikadami, Amar Lahem. Maybe Rabbalazar say according to some, Eidechem Bira. Your witnesses are the base of Mikdash. Fine. Now a story time, talking about the spiritual level of the second base of Mikdash. Rish Lakish Havis Sachei Beyardena. So he was swimming in the in, in the yard. I remember, Ishlokish was um, seemed to be near the, the river a lot. Uh, a lot of stories with him by the river. So also, Rabbi Barbarchana, Rabbi Barbarchana, who was from Bovel, he noticed Ishlokish coming coming out of the water, and Yav Le So he gives him a hand to help him out of the water. So Amar Le Ishlokish says to Rabbi Barbarchana, By the way, Hakadosh Baruch Hu hates you, Babylonians. Why? Why does he not hate? Why does he not like the the Babylonians? Aha. Because the reason is, if you look at a timeline of Jewish history, you'll see from Mitzrayim, everybody left en masse as one group of people. They were together. They were together. And so the entire Bayes Rishon, this is something that not everybody always realizes, the entire Bayes Rishon, every single Jew that was in the earth lived in Eretz Yisrael. That was the entire first Beis HaMikdash. And then there was a Gullus. And then if you look at the second Beis HaMikdash, less than half of the Jews came back. 
So they were all living like in Bavel in those areas, most of the Jews, and many of them did not come back. You look at a timeline of where they were scattered. So certainly in the second base of Mikdash, uh, many of them weren't there. This is what Rish Lakish is alluding to. He says, the Kadosh Baruch Hu is unhappy with you because you did not, come, you did not even come back to my, uh, to, 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 to build the second base of Mikdash. Can you imagine having the opportunity? Imagine if we build the third base of Mikdash and, and the Jews decided that they're, they're going to wait for a sale, a lal sale. Maybe they'll come in two years, maybe three years, maybe not at all. Um, it's, it, it, it's, you can imagine it, and it in fact happened in the second base of Mikdash. The Pasuk says, If it was a wall, then let's build her a, a crown. We're going to see exactly what this is um, alluding to. This is in Shira Shirim. And if she was a door, then we're going to close her with wooden panels. Let so, that's when the Talmud Babli was made. Aha, uh-huh, so that, that, exactly. And so, so this, is, this is during the times of the Talmud Babli, and, and so you had, right, in the times of the Amoraim over here, when you had Reish, Reish Lakish and, uh, and Rabbi Yochanan, so it's around the Chorban Baishani. So he says, why did he not like the Babylonians? Because, right, if you, if you, right, so, so again, the, if it's like a wall, it'll be like silver, or, right, or, and if it's like a door, then it'll be like wood. So what's going on? So it says, If you had made yourself like a wall, and you came, like with Ezra, in to rebuild the Bais Shani, then you would have been comparable to silver, which is an element that does not, what? Rot. It doesn't decay. But now you're like a revolving door. Not really so committed. Now the whole nation is going to decay as a consequence of not coming in mass from Bavel back for the rebuilding of the Bayes Shani. Wow. The Gemara asks, my errors, why, why are you a dafka, a cedar tree? So Amar Ula Sas Magar. It's compared to, to a cedar wood because there's a certain worm that makes it hollow. And so the human, the, the people were hollow. And on the inside, and that's that why they did not come back. The Gemara then asks, what's Sasmagar? What's the exact parallel between the hollowed out cedar, cedar and the base of Mikdash? The Gemara answers, Amar Abba Basko. Well, in a certain sense, the second base of Mikdash had a hollowness to it because all we had left was the Basko, the Titania, because the Bryce says, Mishimason, Nevi Machronim, Chagai Zacharya Malachi, right? We used to have real Nevi'im, the Nevi'im Machronim. Right, but they died at the beginning of the Bayashani era, which means that by the time the Bayashani came around, right, we no longer had real true Nevuah. We had occasional Baskals, however. That we no longer had like true Nevuah straight up from Hashem, but we still had the Baskal. This is a a question as an aside. This whole thing was based off of a discussion Reish Lakish had with Rabbi Baruchana, but that is unusual because after all, we know about Reish Lakish that he was once a bandit and not abandoned, a bandit, a bandit, and he did tshuva. You're not supposed to say Lashonara. Right, no, but the Gemara says it so you could learn a lesson about him because he was then afterwards careful. It's true, you're not supposed to talk, remind somebody of their bandit past, but the Gemara says it. Uh, to teach a lesson. I guess Rish Lakish was, uh, allowed this. The point is that he would be very careful about who he spoke to because he was once traveling with a bad crowd. He used to have a bad crew. 
And so afterwards, he would like go in the other extreme, which the Rambam explains sometimes. If you have an issue that you need to resolve, sometimes you have to go in the other extreme. Like if you have, you're right, just like if, if you eat a lot, so you can't just eat normally sometimes. If you want to lose weight, you have to go on a diet and then you can, and then you can modify. So here, his, the Rev. Shlokish's version of this was that he would never talk to anybody unsavory in the street, and even regular people he wouldn't talk to. He was very careful about who he interacted with in public. So even Rabbi Barbarchana, this is amazing, Musa here, yeah. Rabbi Barbarchana was like uh, a big Tamachacham. Why, why would he not talk to him? Says the Gemara. Umar, Rabbi Lazar, Demar, Da'ar, Yisrael, Hava, Velo Hava, Mishtari, Reish Even even Rabbi Lazar, who was the master, he was the God of Adar. Rishlakish wouldn't talk to him in public. Why? Right? Because people um, would know that Rishlakish, whoever, would never speak to anybody in the Shuk. If he spoke to somebody at all in public, amazingly, that like would only be sort of like the Gadol Ador. Why? So in other words, he would talk to Rabbi Lazar. So, Again, the question of the Gemara is, how could Rish Lakish have spoken to Rabbi Barbarchana? He almost didn't speak to anybody. Rabbi Barbarchana was a great Tamil Chacham, but he wasn't like the greatest uh, of his generation. It's a fascinating question. To which, Amar of Papa, Shdei Gavra Beinayu. Yeah, it can't be. It can't be that this was a discussion between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Barbarchana. Rather, it has to be, or Rish Lakish, who was Ziri. The only one I can believe that it could be was Ziri. Uh, Zairi was, was so incredible that he was the one guy, have you ever even heard of Zairi? Zairi was actually, uh, considered the most, um, beyond reproach person of that generation, apparently. It's definitely worth looking into. Oh, maybe it wasn't in fact Rishlakish, but Rabbi Barachan of Lazar. And if it was them, so then it would make sense why they had a conversation. Okay. To which the Gemara says, when this whole idea, when Rishlakish went to Rabbi and he talked about the fact that the um, Shechina wasn't in the base, second base of Mikdash because of the reluctance of Klai Yisrael to, to come up for Aliyah um, at, at the rebuilding of the second base of Mikdash. Amar Leir, Yochanan, respond to Rishlakish, Lav Hain That's not the reason why you didn't have Nevi'im and Shechina in the second base of Mikdash. Inami Because even if all the Jews had come, in other words, it's not because of the reluctance of the Jews to come on Aliyah. Even if all of them had come, the base of Mikdash was never going to have the full um, power of the Shekhinah. Why? It was already written in the stars, as it were. It was already written in, in Sefer Bracious that the nations of Yefes is going to right, be granted the beauty but he's not going to, as long as they're there, which was in the second base of Mikdash, was the nation of Yafet, then Hashem wasn't going to dwell. He was only going to dwell in the base of Mikdash when it was all a shame. So as we arrive now at Yudam at Aleph, right, at the still obnoxious and manageable time of 5.55 a.m., I think we're going to make some headway here, um, we see a map in the art scroll over here, and the rest of Amad, uh, of Daf Yudamad Aleph is a discussion of this geography of what is Yefes, what is Shem, breaking down the sons of Noah and how they spread out into the nations and all the geography. So here we go. Even though Hashem granted beauty to Yefet, which is the Persians who built the second base of Mikdash, the Shechina is only going to be, as we just discussed, right, um, <coughs> only when the descendants of Shem are there. Okay. 
So basically the Persians, that in itself. So if you're, if you're David Katz, you could spend five months on just this daf. Why? Because it's talking about the history. This is a history of, wow. this is a history of what, of, of what went on. Did, I mean, who built the second base of Mikdash? So it kind of was the Persians. He let, they let the Jews build some, but the Jews didn't build a lot. They, they basically allowed the Persians, the Persians let them build it, but really the Persians ended up building it. Um, this history is not something we have time to get into, nor am I an expert in it, but I'd love to be. It's fascinating, but we, but it's just alluded to in the Gemara, and then you have to really, really go deep to understand, you know, some of the nuances here. Okay. Says the Gemara, So now the Gemara asks, well, how do we even know that the Persians are from Yefes? Because we know, it says, B'nei Yefes. Okay, so now it's going back to what? The description of the uh, lineage as discussed in Sefer Bracious. Of Bnei Noach. It says, B'nei Yefes, Gomer, Magog, Matai, Biyavon, Vesuvon, Lameshach, So that's a straight up Pasuk from Bracious, right? From Sefer Bracious. So then it goes through these children, tells who, who everybody is. Gomer is a Germania, which the Gross says Germania, that's Germany. Mogogzu Candia, which sounds like Canada, but it's not. It's really Candia, which is, um, uh, many, most say is Crete, which is where Ari Rosenstein was once for Pesach. He says it's beautiful. It's like a southeast Greece island, southeast of, of Greece. Madai Kemashmo, Madai is either Macedonia or like it sounds. Yavon is Macedonia or Yavon is like it sounds. Yavon, Yavon sounds like Greece. Tuval is their base Unaiki. Tuval is based in Nike, Meshach Zemusia. Tiras, Pligibe Rebusi, my Rebunan. Everyone asks what Tiras is. Tiras sounds like corn, but in those days, Tiras was the name of a guy. For Amorlais, Rabbi Simon, Verabunan, Chad Amar Zu based Trike. Some say it's based Trike. Chad Amar Zu Paras. Some say that that's Persia, right? And so these are, right? These are the children of Yefes. So some say that that's Persia. Tanya, of Yosef, Tiras, Zu Paras. Now I'm reading it exactly like Ari Leibowitz. He just read, that's how he read this. He says, two of us have been in Nike, two of us have been in Nike. Okay. So, um, more to say over here, uh, the article brought up something fascinating, um, which was just the, just the notion that the Germania was the northernmost of, 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 uh, Yefes, and, and we'll see later, Cham, the southernmost of Cham was Kush, and just the idea of how it gets from very, very light, the, the, the lightest skinned people on earth were, were in Germany. We already read uh, earlier about how uh, before Migdal Bavel, uh, the, their, the European continent and the, um, and the African continent and Asia were all one thing. And then it just became blocked by a body of water. And just imagine how after, after uh, the, um, the Migdal Bavel, when everyone was uh, separated, just in the south, Kush is what we associate with being very, very dark-skinned, and Germania is what we associate with Aryan, so to speak, being very, very light-skinned. And the art school amazingly goes through all of that, and it even mentions that the mission in the game has the terms Germani and Kushi when he's trying to say black and white uh, skin lesions, and just the way it all broke down as far as the Semites in Asia, the Cham, right, the, what we call anti-Semite, it's because we're from shame, right? So we're from shame. That's a Semite. If you're from Cham in Africa in the south, and if you're from Yefes, that's what we call Europe, right? Uh, which includes Greece, Italy, Rome, and also all the other European countries like Germania. So that's basically how it broke down. That was the uh, civilized word, world in those days. All the Arabs are brothers? Yeah, they would be from shame. Shame? Yeah. 
The sem- okay, Safta Virama Vesaftacha. Okay, so among the son of Kush, the firstborn was, so, 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 so that was their name. So Tani Rav Yosef, Sakistan Gavyasa Sakistan Bavraisa. So their inner and outer Sakistan. So Sakistan, okay. Bein Chadal Chadamea Parsi. And between the two Sakistans, these are all the, this is where you start with all the stands. So all the stands are Kush. So it's between, uh, there's a hundred parts between them, but alpha parsi, and the circumference of the outer one is a thousand parts. So good. The Gemara continues. Okay, so then in the beginning of the kingdom of Nimrod was Babel, Erech, Akad, and Kalnei. Babel, Kemashma, Babel, we know already. Uh, that was very familiar to the Amoraim. Erech, Ze, Urichus, Akad, Ze, Baskar. Akar is Baskar, and Kalnei, Ze, Noifer, Nidenfi. Okay, so Ninfi might sounds a lot like Ninveh, and we'll see that this is actually uh, perhaps a, a reference to it, as we will now see. The Gemara continues. Min Ashur. From that land came out Ashur. Tani Rabbi Yosef, Ashur is a Silak. And he built, right, Ninveh, Rechovos, Ir, and Kalach. Ninveh is Kimashmo. Ninveh was very literal uh, in those days. That was like the capital of Assyria. Uh, and we know Ninveh famously, right, from Sefer Yonah. Bechovos, Ir, Zu, Pras, Demeshon is, is Paras of Meshon. So again, um, as, the, as the introduction of the art scroll to this part of the Gemara says, almost none of these cities are the same today as they were in the days uh, that we're reading about here in the Gemara. So that's why uh, I'm assuming Rabari Leibowitz does not get too involved because uh, this is not really a full-on history lesson, but it's a reference to these places. So when it says that in the Pasuk, so Resen ze Aktisfon, Resen is a place called Aktisfon, it's hard to understand or it's hard to know whether when it says that was the big city, right, whether that's a reference to Nineveh or whether that's a reference to Resen. Resen, as an orthodontist, is actually um, means a headgear. But anyway, that's what they call it in Israel. Anyways, I don't use a headgear uh, too much, so it's not relevant for now anyway. But anyways, or um, right, Mahalach Shloshes Yamim. It was a more, uh, it was a, a, an enormously great city. A three-day journey uh, was considered a very huge city if you're walking three days internally in it. So that would imply that Nineveh perhaps was the Ir And we know that Nineveh was in fact a very large city. Okay. Now, <coughs> once we're already going through the names, the Gemara just finishes off of here. Where are all these sucking from, by the way? They're all from if you open up Sefer Bracious, it'll be there for you. <clears throat> so it's a history lesson. You have to match it up. Satana. Achiman, miyuman Achim. Achiman was the first uh, of the giants because he was powerful, right? Sheshai, shemesim es kishchisos. He was called Sheshai because uh, his footstep would crush the earth beneath him. Talmai, shemesim es tlamim tlamim. He was also like a giant because when he walked, he would make furrows. Davar Acher, Achiman Bana Anas. Achiman built the city of Anas. Shesha Bana Elush. Shesha built the city of Elush. And Talmai Bana Talbush. Okay. Yelide Hanak. So these were called the giants' children. Shemanikim Hacham Bekomasan. Because they made the su- they were so big that if you look up to see their heads, it looked like the sun was a necklace on them. Okay. 
Okay, back to Persia. Amar Bishur ben Levi Amar Rabbi Atzida Rumi Shetipal Biat Paris. Now there's going to be a discussion. What is the destiny of these of these nations? Now this is written in the Gemara. It's kind of fascinating, right? In those days, nobody could imagine that right these massive right um, uh, sit, these massive um, kingdoms of Persia and Rome would ever fall apart. And they say, who's going to be right? It was like the two titans. Right, the two superpowers, and which one of them will eventually prevail? Well, now none, nobody even thinks of of Rome or Persia as being a superpower at all. But so it's funny to see it in context of modern context. But in those days, the question was, who's going to prevail from these superpowers, Rome or, or Paris? So Reb Shubin Levi says that Paris is going to prevail. Shenamar, because it says, Seiman. Right, so you should hear that that the youngest of the flock will drag them off and will devastate their their houses. So that implies, right, that the the younger one are going to be dragged off. This is from Yirmiyahu. So the Gemara says, Right, so the way Rabbar, um, right, the way Rebbe read it. Uh, the way they were said it in the name of Rebbe was that the Tzirei Atzon is paras, uh, that are going to destroy everyone. However, maybe they're not. So we already talked about it with Carbonus. The Isle is not the Tzirei Atzon. The Isle is one that's fully mature. And that is, and so paras is compared to the Isle, not to the Tzirei Atzon. The Ema Yavan, maybe instead it's going to be Greece. Because we have a pasuk that alludes to Yavan being the the, the sa'ir, so so Rabbah says no. Kisalik Rav Chaviva Bar Surmaki Amra Kameda Humerabanan Rav Chamima Bar Surmaki, who I never heard of before, came to Eretz Yisrael. He said, obviously, he was a giant Tamachacham because he was he was able to say with regards to what Rabbah Barbar Ula Amalei, he was able to say Mandalo Yadav Perushay Kari Masif Tiyufta LeRebi. He says, is it possible that somebody doesn't know the Pashup shot of the Pasuk would challenge Rebbe? Meaning, he was challenging this exposition of the Pasuk and he was saying that any, any, anybody who knows Pasukim, Pashup shot, knows that Seir Yatzon is not referring to Paras and doesn't mean that it's, that, that it means that they were young. It could still be an aisle and still be referring to Paras. How so? Says the Gemara, my tziratzon. What does it mean when it's tziratzon? It just means zutra dechoi. It just means relative to the rest of the brothers, right? Um, he was the youngest. So the youngest of the sons of Yefes was Tiras. So that's what makes sense because the Tani Rabbi Yosef, Tiras at Paras. So in fact, even though it says tziratz, the point is, even though it says tziratzon, it's, it, and even though elsewhere it says ha'ayel shara'isa, it doesn't mean that Paras can't mean that, um, can't, that Tziratzon can't be referring to Paras, right? It could still be referring to Paras because the Pasha Pshat is that he's the youngest of the brothers. Wow. Okay. Another source about this discussion about which superpower will prevail. That eventually Rome will fall to Persia. Even though the first base of Mikdash, the Bnei Shem built, and yet, the Chaldeans were able to destroy it, right? So, so then, right, that's what we call the Bavel. The so, Parsim. And then we know that those of Bavel fell to the Persians. So, And so, the, the logic here is 
that the Persians who build the second base on Mikdash and therefore should have a lot of merit and schuyos, right? And then, so again, you have the second base on Mikdash, the Persians build it, and the Romans destroyed it. So wouldn't you think, therefore, that the Persians should have the schus to destroy the Romans? After all, one of them built the second base of Mekdash, one of them destroyed it. So Hashem should make it that, that who, those who built the second base of Mekdash should have the upper hand. So the Gemara says, Amarav, I see the parasha people beyond Romi. However, Rav said that the future is that, that Persia is going to fall in the hands of Rome. So what's this? How can you say this, Rav? You're going to let those who built the base of Mikdash fall in the hands of those who destroyed it? To which Rav said, Amalu, yes, in. Yeah, what do you think? Life isn't fair. Why, why? Do you think everything is so symmetric that only good things happen to good people and bad to bad people? This is the way of the world. It's a Gzeris Melech. So Ikadami, or some say, Amrlahu Inhu, Nami Sasri Neshta. that there was a different reason, not because life isn't fair, but because even though the Persians did in fact build the base of Mikdash, they also destroyed a lot of synagogues too. Don't worry, they were not Sadiqim. Tanyanamihachi, also some say, I see the parashitipal beyond Romi, Khadas is Sasri Bnekdeshta. Because first of all, that the, the Persians are going to fall in the hands of Rome, first of all, because they destroyed a lot of synagogues. The Od Gzeris Melechu. And also because that was the will of Hashem. She Plubonin Biat Sosrim, that even though it seems unfair, those who built the base of Mikdash fell in the hands of those who destroyed it. Okay. Similarly, Dhamma Rabbiudama Rav, Rabbiudha said, Ain Ba David. Ein bein David ba, bein David is a reference to Mashiach, will not come until the wicked Roman kingdom has, has overrun the entire world for nine months. This is uh, clearly, uh, you can see how this could be seen as it is by many of as an allusion to the birth pangs of Mashiach. Literally birth pangs, the nine months gestation of Mashiach, right? Um, and as Ribari Leibowitz points out, the idea that Hashem want, you want to show the glory of Hashem. So you don't have, uh, some, some little nothing country, uh, destroy the base of Mikdash. You have the biggest superpowers rule the world for at least a nine month gestation period. And then you destroy them just to show that we're not, we, we, right? We pick on someone our own size. We take the biggest bully on the block and we establish him as the, as such. And then we knock him down to show the power of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So that's why it says, There's the allusion to birth. He's going to surrender until the one who gives birth, right? Mashiach's brothers will return with Kal Yisrael. May Mashiach come soon and may the birth of the Geula um, already begin. Good. So now we finish the Agarita and we're seven lines up and the two dots, seven lines up for the bottom, Yudam and Aleph. We're going to talk about this mezuzah um, issue as follows. There was a Bryce that says, Interesting idea. The offices in the base of Mikdash, do they have a mezuzah in those offices? So you think, of course, it's the base of Mikdash. But no, nobody lived there. That's why they don't have a mezuzah. You only have, and a lot of Hilchos mezuzah has in fact learned from this daf, believe it or not. Why do you have a mezuzah? Mezuzah is a chovas hadar, that you have to actually be living in there. And so, the only place where people really slept, this Brisa implies, is Lishkas Parhedrin, because the Kohen Gadol was there for seven days. And so, therefore, that's the only room that had a mezuzah. As the, as it continued, the Gemara continues to say, Shahayaba based near the Kohen Gadol. That's where he, uh, stayed. Amar Behuda, Valokama Lashachos Ayyubimikla Shayalahem based near Valoyalim Mezuzah. 
So Rabbi Huda disagrees. And he says, what do you mean? There was a lot of different chambers and offices where people slept, and they didn't have a mezuzah. Ela lishkas perhedrin gezer haisa. So Rabbi Huda is saying that there's no mezuzah. Just because you're staying there doesn't mean that, you, that it's a hotel, that it's a residence. That's the issue. Then we're going to see that that's the machlokas. Gemara is going to flesh it out, but just saying it outside. The issue is, is this considered a residence or is it not? If it's a residence, it requires certainly a mezuzah. If it's not a residence, then even if somebody sleeps there temporarily, it still doesn't require a mezuzah. And therefore, the only reason, and that's the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore Rabbi Yehuda says the only reason, it, nobody disagrees that it had a mezuzah. The question is why? So Rabbi Yehuda said it didn't have a mezuzah because it was a chi of mezuzah as a residence. No, it was a gezerah. And we'll explain what the gezerah is. Now, so the Gemara says, what's the basis of this? So my time there, Bihuda. What's the reason, Rabbi Huda? Amaraba kasavar Bihuda kol bayishen also limosa chamin limosa kshamin may no bayis. So Rabbah is explaining that unless it's like a real house, a real residence for for the winter and the summer, it's not considered a bayis. And if it's not a bayis, it does not require mezuzah. So to that, Eisvei Abay Abay challenges vaksiv v'kasiyas beis achor v'al beis hakayitz. It's a different context, but the basic idea is that you're saying in Amos that I'm gonna I'm gonna destroy your your summer home and your winter home. Well, we see in that context that even though it's only in the summer or only in the winter, it's still considered a bias, and therefore it should be required mezuzos. To that, Amar Lei Rabbah says beis chor for beis kayitz ikri. Yeah, it's referred to as a summer and a winter home. Beis tama lo ikri. But you know what? That would not mean that it's a residence because in order to require a mezuzah, it would have to be called not a summer home or a winter home. It would have to be called a home, a house. Okay, so Esri Abai, to that Abai challenges as follows. Sukas hechag bechag. Wow. The Mishnah says, where is this Mishnah found? In Maestros. The question is like this. Let's say you bring, Maestros needs something called Reias Pnei Habais. Right. In order to, to have this chiyuv of ma'aser, where you can't even eat a chilas arai, once it comes into the house, you can't even eat a casual achila until it, you take off ma'aser. So, fascinating question: What if you bring said produce into the sukkah? Is that considered your house or not? So, Birnbaum right away says it's a diras arai. I said, relax, Birnbaum. It's coming up. Sukkah hechag bechag. Rabbi Yehuda Mechayev Chachamim Potrin. So amazing. Rabbi Yehuda is going to say, yes, you have to take off Meiser if you bring it into the sukkah. Chacham say, you don't have to bring Meiser. It's as if it's out in the fields. Fetani Allah. And we have a Bryce elaborating. Rabbi Yehuda Mechayev Be'er V'mzuzah V'meiser. In this Bryce that elaborates, Rabbi Yehuda not only holds that you're Chayev and Meiser, you're also Chayev and Erev. When we discussed Erev and we said the different aspects of residence, remember all the tension between Barry and Andrew when they had their different residence? Well, in order to have that tension, you need to have two different dwellings and needs to have the status of a bias. Okay, and mezuzah. Mezuzah there is mentioned as one of the other nafkaminas, as we would call it, of whether it's a house or not. And Abayah says, if you're going to say that it's only, that the sukkah is only considered a bias midarabanan, so I can understand erv and mezuzah. You could say, you know what? Like, there's no downside. So make the, you know, so, so make the erv, make, put up the mezuzah. There's no downside. That's true. Right? In other words, there's really nothing wrong with putting up a mezuzah. That's important in, to understand this sugya, right? There's nothing wrong with putting up a mezuzah where you don't absolutely need one. Um, but, but, so, so therefore, you can make a gazer darbon just in case you need one. Can you, however, say that you're going to be machmer and give meiser? Meiser is more complicated. Why? As we turn to Yudam and Bez, with 10 minutes left and thankfully a really tiny amount of Gemara here. Dilma ase la frushe minachiv alaptur. 
that certainly with regards to Meiser, it's like a zero-sum game. You cannot, right, every Kula is a Chumar and every Chumar is a Kula. Why? Because if you say that something, this is, this is important to understand. For, the point is like this. If two things are Chayev and Meiser, then I could take, right, the way Meiser was taken, it was, uh, Meiser, it was a amount of produce in one location that was going to potter up something in the fields, right, like in another location. That only works if everything is Chayev and Meiser. But if you can imagine, I have something that isn't Chayev and Meiser, and I take Meiser off of that, that would not work to potter up the rest of my produce. Now you're in trouble. Because if it doesn't work to, to potter up the rest of your produce, so then what, what have you done? By creating a Chumrah and saying that I have to take off Meiser on this Meiser that, where I'm not Chayev, you've actually ruined right, all of the other produce because you didn't take off Meiser properly for it. Do you understand? So every chumrah is a kula. So you can't just take off meiser on something that's not chayiv because you've ruined the rest of your produce. That's what it means. So there, it works both ways, right? If you take off something that's, that's chayiv, you can't potter up. Okay, so, so that's the point. The point is that you cannot simply put a durabon, and even though you could say just put up a mezuzah um, and, and there's no downside with meiser, there is. And therefore, it cannot be, the point is that it cannot be that, it was on, that they only said it was chayiv midurabon, and it must be that a sukkah is in fact chayiv in meiser and mezuzah and in ervin like mida or raisa. So therefore, how do we resolve this? So... So we say, So that's an amazing thing. Does a sukkah, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, the art school sorts it out because really obviously we don't paskin like this. But at least according to Rabbi Yehuda, amazingly, a sukkah requires a mezuzah. Isn't that fascinating? So according to Rabbi Yehuda, everybody holds that, that, you, that, every, that you're chayiv in a sukkah. You're chayiv in a mezuzah. The question is, the right, so a sukkah yechayiv and a mezuzah, and the lishkas pal hedrin, right, where the kohen gadol was quarantined for seven days. So during the seven days that he's there, everyone's going to agree that it needs a mezuzah. The question is, does, does the office, the lishkas pal hedrin, require mezuzah the rest of the year by virtue of the fact that it requires mezuzah during those seven days? Ah, that's the machlokas. Rabbanan savri gazrin and shari mosashana atu shiva. Rabbanan say yes. There's a chi of mezuzah on the lishkas parhedrin the entire year because of it's a gazerah. Because of the fact that it needs it for those seven days, we are mechayiv you to have the mezuzah there all throughout the year. However, Rabbi Yehuda savar lo gazrin. Rabbi Yehuda is going to agree that the mezuzah is going to be necessary to be there all seven days that the coin gadol is quarantined. However, it's not going to be required to be there the entire year as a consequence of that. So that's the machlokas, whether you do a gazera to have a chiv. Now again, they're both going to agree that the mezuzah is going to be there the whole year round. It's just that Rabbi Yehuda holds that it's not there because of a chiv. Rabbi Yehuda holds that it's there just because of a Right, that, that it's there just because it's, it, it's better to have it there, um, during the year, but it's not an actual chiv. We're gonna see why Rabbi Huda holds so. We're gonna see. Amalei Rava. Rava says, In other words, we, we see that there's a shita that even the sukkah is pater. So we say, okay, that we have that shita, but, it, we're going to end up saying that even though we have that shita, we're saying within the shita of Yehuda. But first we interject in offering a different way of resolving this machlokas, Rabbi Yehuda and Tanakama, and that's where it gets into the reasoning of why you'd have it all year round, even if it's not chayev, as follows. Maybe you could say that everyone holds that this lishkat pahedrin doesn't require a mezuzah at all. This would be according to the chachabim. However, ki pligi b'shiva, 
right? The Machlokas is during the seven days of the coin, Gadol is, is quarantined there. This is another, the exact opposite way of saying it. That maybe you only needed to have it those seven days. V'sukkah, time of v'lishka time of However, sukkah and the lishka spahedrin have different svaras as to why you would or would not put a mezuzah on it as follows. Sukkah, time of Rabbi Yehuda letamei. Rabbi Yehuda holds that a, that a sukkah requires a mezuzah. And he follows his reason to Amar sukkah diras keva ba'inan. Ah, if you look at, right, the very first sugya in Maseches Sukkah, you'll see that Rabbi Yehuda allows a sukkah that's more than 20 amas tall. Now, why do we not allow it? Because it has to be a diras arai. But that's not shitas Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda holds that it can be, in fact, a diras keva, a permanent structure. And as such, a permanent structure certainly would require mezuzah. As the Gemara says, "Umechayiv mezuzah for Rabbanon l'tam ayud amri sukkah diras arai." That's how we paskin that it has to be a temporary structure. But inan v'lo mechayiv mezuzah. So that's why this makes more sense to us. That's why the sukkah is not chayiv mezuzah because it's diras arai. That's the svara with regards to sukkah. What about the lishkas by hedrin? As we finish off here, the lishka time of the chod. Rabbanon savri dira bal korchesh madira. This is an issue. The kohen gadol when he was quarantined, did he volunteer this quarantine? No. He was there Balkarcho, right, so to speak. He couldn't leave. He couldn't, as Goranowitz says, go out and get a falafel, right? So he was like, he was stuck in there. That's not Dira. It's a fascinating question, right? These places like what Rav Schechter calls the Dafyomi prisons, right? Where, uh, where, where the white collar crime guys are learning Dafyomi. Um, so their jail cells, they get 15 years, Rahman al-Itzlan. Do they require a mezuzah? So the halacha is that a diras, right, balkarcha does not require mezuzah. In order to have a chiv of mezuzah, you need to be there voluntarily like an actual person who can go in and out. So that, in fact, is not the status of the coin gadol. When he's quarantined on Yom Kippur, he can't just freely go in and out. He's there balkarcha. Dira, right, as the Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda Savar, dira balkarcha lo shma dira. It's not considered a dira, and therefore it does not require a mezuzah. However, why would the Rabbanan say that you should have a mezuzah? Because So the very reason why you should have a mezuzah in according to this Ikada Amri, is because even though it's a dira balkarcha, you don't want it to be said out in the street that we're putting him in jail, because that's not nice. Right, so you put a mezuzah to give sort of the appearance of a hotel room instead of a jail cell. Even though he's quarantined in there, it's civilized, right? And we want to put a positive spin on it. And so by putting a mezuzah on it, again, there's no downside to doing so. So by putting a mezuzah, we put a positive spin. May we be zoche to uh, have a, uh, a Yeshua, to build the base of Mikdash, and to have a mezuzah in our residence, as well as in the Lishka Parhedrin. So we pick up here to Tomorrow, Mantan on the very last line on the bottom of Yud Amad Bey's tomorrow. Bezat Hashem.